Hi, this is Ryan Stegman, artist of Superior Spider-Man and the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. The Amazing Spider-Talk The Amazing Spider-Talk Come swing through the air Sit back and prepare For the Amazing Spider-Talk Hello and welcome to The Amazing Spider-Talk my name is Dan Gavazin, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Thanks for joining me for a special episode covering the debut of Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, Volume 2. These titles just keep growing and growing. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. And we're going to be joined by a, a, a different fan this time, but for this episode... I'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, Volume 2, Number 1, with a special guest writer, Kane Winstead, who reviews the title for us on our website, superiorspidertalk.com. Welcome to the show, Kane. Uh, thank you for having me, Dan. Uh, happy to be here. So, Kane, you do a lot of things over on superiorspidertalk.com. You want to let the listeners who might not be familiar with your name know what they might have read of yours? Uh, let's see. Uh, I started out on the website uh, reviewing the Marvel Adventures Spider-Man title. Well, not the Marvel Adventures, but the uh, the, the cartoon adaptation, the, the kids book. Uh, from, there, from there, I think I moved on to Spider-Man Deadpool, which I'm currently reviewing. I picked up Carnage uh, after, after Mark uh, needed some time. And... Uh, now I am reviewing uh, Spider-Man uh, Renew Your Vows as well as doing the monthly sales report. So if you're, if you're on the website, there's more than likely you've read something I've written. Great. Well, it's really awesome, and I'm happy to have you on the show. We, had done, like, we did a members-only podcast, and, and that went really well. So it was only time until you got on here. And, and I'd like to start doing more episodes like this, kind of like – check-ins with members of our team on things that they're doing and and I figured what you know what bigger of a book to cover than the relaunch of Renew Your Vows and I, and I, and I, I think you're probably there with me that this is more than just a standard volume 2 of a book I think this this could mean something a little bit more than than business as usual most most definitely yeah all right. Well, you know what? I guess that that's a good way to get right into it. Let's talk about, I guess, our review slash discussion around this volume two of Renew Your Vows. I bet we've been together for a million years. And I bet we'll be together for a million more. Oh, it's like I started breathing. On the night we kissed And I can't remember What I ever did before What would we do, baby Without us 
All right. Well, to get this conversation started, uh, Kane, I thought you know maybe we should talk about how did we get to this point? How how are we here in 2016 talking about a book where Peter Parker and Mary Jane are married again and they have a child? What what is going on? Is the world just gone crazy? Well, I mean, clearly, you know, the the big elephant in the room is one more day, and the just the massive, massive fallout from from that. Um, you know, would this book exist if if that wasn't such a big sticking point for a lot of fans? Like, I mean, the the book lost a lot of readers from that. A lot of you know, fans talked about, you know, dropping, dropping Spider-Man after, after one more day, just because, you know, people our age, we grew up with Spider-Man married, like either, you know, married when we were younger, you know, maybe before we were reading, you know, if you're, or like me, I was born in 1990, you know, he's, he's married my whole life. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the question to ask then is, you know, this is we are nine years removed from one more day, as much as I don't want to admit that that was nine years ago. Um, is, is this like what we're experiencing now with the clone conspiracy? Is this a nostalgia move or does this mean something completely different? Is this a like a recant on on? Maybe a, a mistake that they they realize that this audience there is an audience and that does desire this story and it can be written well or is this just a way to kind of you know play people's nostalgia for a few bucks and maybe it's both I think it's probably both but uh, I want to get your feelings on this. Well, no, I, I think I think you're definitely right. I think both. Um, you know, if we're going to take the cynical approach. Uh, there, there's definitely a, a money aspect issue, but I, I think I think this this book this title fills a few holes in the Marvel roster, especially since uh, you know the first Marvel family, the Fantastic Four, is currently not getting any love as far as you know a title, uh, and you know not to jump ahead, but like this book definitely fills that kind of family role that has been the cornerstone of the Marvel you know lineup since since uh, Lee and Kirby did Fantastic Four number one back in the 60s. That's a really good point. I never thought about it that way, that it it could rep- be the new first family of, of Marvel, except that it's in a B book. I mean, like, I, right. and, and, and I, I don't mean that to couch it in like kind of like a derogatory way or any way to like lessen the title. But, you know, I, I, I guess I guess the question, is, you know, we'll see how sales go, but do do we think that this title is going to operate alongside standard Amazing Spider-Man as like the Spider-Man book? I mean, just even just before we get into even talking about the quality of the book, reading it immediately it felt like my Spider-Man book. Like just reading how Spider-Man's dialogue works and his thoughts work, it it is so back to what I think we've all wanted for such a long time. You know, what do we think fans' reactions are going to be? Well, no, I definitely agree with you, you know, as far as it feels more more like a classic Spider-Man tale. And I think part of that has to do with, you know, Jerry Conway is the writer. He's been writing Spider-Man since, what, like the early 70s, mid-70s? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he's he's definitely a, uh, a veteran writer who has the voice down for the character. I I think I think people are going to respond well to this. As far as you know how how the title does compare to Amazing. I mean, historically we look. Uh, you know, at kind of like alternate universe Spider-Man stories that ran alongside of ASL, like Ultimate Spider-Man or Spider-Girl. You know, they've Ultimate Spider-Man sold you know decently, but it never really approached the ASM numbers. Well, it outsold but, ASM for a little while there. Oh, did it? Yeah, okay, absolutely, well, it did. You know, I, I missed that then, but um, you know. I, I, th- I think it's it's a little early in the ball game to really really give a solid guess as was you know how this is going to sell. Yeah. Um, just just because you know if it does fill that first family niche, then you know Fantastic Four toward the end of things was having trouble with sales. So I, I don't know if that that family angle really resonates with readers of comics right now, but. As we've already, you know, touched on, this is scratching an itch for people who, for nine years, have been wanting a book about a more adult, maybe more responsible, more, you know, family-oriented Spider-Man who's married and, you know, relate relates to us as we continue our lives. You know, we don't always have a single twenty-something swinging uh, mm-hmm. Peter Parker <laughs> we have we have a more tied down you know family man yeah and you know I you know you're what 26 and, I, and yeah. I'm in, I, I'm in my 30s you know like that whether that's realistic or not we're we are approaching you know this stage of lifestyle for for Peter Parker like having children building a family um you know, I, I wonder how, like, you know, this it is hitting at a, a sweet time where, you know, like, it can, you know, find the audience of people that relate to him in a different, you know, uh, a different way. They, that they've outgrown this kind of teenage, kind of uh, irresponsible but yet responsible Peter Parker. Um, right. I, guess, I guess the thing to look at, uh, you know, here is, uh, I guess, the, the closest comparison story-wise – um, is something like Spider Girl, um, and, and and how that book performs. I mean, are we going to get a hundred plus issue run uh, on this title? Uh, who can say? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty rare these days to get anything that lasts past twenty issues if it's yeah. not like you know a, a main title book. But um, I mean, there is a distinct, I think, a core distinction between these two titles. Spider Girl, to me, while it did have the family element, it was very like focused on Spider Girl herself. This seems much more a Peter Parker story. I mean, he's providing the narration. He is the focal character, even if it is a family book, you know. And I'm sure there will be issues that focus on Mary Jane and Annie and so on. But um, Amazing Spider-Man is still the lead title here, um, and I wonder if that uh, – like I, I see that as a plus and a minus. People could see it as a like, oh, it's just an, another Amazing Spider-Man book. It's a B title rather than being its own standalone title like Spider-Girl was. It felt like it could operate on its own. Um, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how the comparison between the two plays out. 
Well, no, I, I think you, you definitely have a good point with the title making it sound more like just, you know, an amazing Spider-Man, you know, title plus, plus his amazing family. But the, the book itself really seems to point toward it being more than just just Spider-Man. Like the, the ending narration says, you no, know, it's it's not about Mr. and Mrs. Parker as a couple. It's it's about our family and it's about Annie. It's it's so may, maybe the title's misleading. Maybe maybe, you know, clearly they wanted to synergize off of the, the Dan Slot you know, renew your vows, but maybe this should be called the amazing spider family. Uh, maybe that would be more like, uh, uh, in line with what the book is and, you know, set reader expectations, you know, a little bit more in line. Sure. But I do think there's something about like putting the amazing Spider-Man on it that gives it a level of like gravitas, authenticity, and like, while it isn't in Canon, it gives it a level of, of Canon. Like, Right. It feels like an important title. Um, you know, and we've been seeing them flirting with this stuff with like Spiral was Amazing Spider-Man and you got this Amazing Grace series. And those both sold pretty well, um, you know, even re- regardless of their quality. I mean, I thought Spiral was a far better story than Amazing Grace. But the sales were somewhat similar on those titles, right? Uh, yes, yes. I think so. And so, like, I think you're going to see good sales for this, but, but, but this is even more in line with what people want. So, I, I, I think, I think the whole thing is, uh, it's just very curious. Um, I, I'm, I just can't wait to follow, you know, this book and see how people react to it. Um, now I had asked you before doing the show if you had read Lois and Clark, the, the Superman title, and, and people might not be familiar with that, but, you know, uh, and most people are familiar with DC's New 52, where they basically rebooted, like, their entire universe, creating a younger Superman, you know, who was a little more brash and, and so on. And, and they were, you know, it brought in a lot of new readers, but it also really alienated a lot of, you know, the, the old, you know, DC crowd. It, very similarly to what happened with Brand New Day and One More Day and... It, yes, it wasn't done by the devil in the DC universe. It was done by like Flash and Flashpoint and all this stuff, which is a great story. And, and it you know made this bitter pill a little bit easier to swallow. But they created this series called Lois and Clark, which revealed that su- the original Superman and Lois Lane had a child and were living in the New 52 universe behind the scenes like staying back and watching and now with this DC rebirth they killed off the new 52 Superman and replaced him with this Superman the original Superman and now Superman and Lois Lane are a thing and they have a child John like I could see people latching hope onto a title like this if it does well enough maybe we have a Superman rebirth of Spider-Man here. We get our this into canon. I mean, I, I think DC is a little more ready to, f- like, flip their entire continuity than Marvel is, but I don't think it's outside of the realms of a possibility. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's completely outside of the realm of possibility either. Like, I was thinking about this last night, actually, uh, you know, in, in preparation for this um, just, you know, how, how could Marvel integrate this into, into the main continuity? 
while also kind of respecting, you know, metaphorically all the people who died on that one more day hill. Like, you know, um, and, you know, I, and the best I came up with is Spider-Man gets a kid's sidekick, which <laughs> <laughs> might be why I'm not writing for Marvel right now, because that does not sound like the best idea. Uh, you know, I think Dan Slott flirted with that kind of with Alpha and then almost immediately discarded it. Um, but yeah, like I do, I do think that Marvel has, you know, the, they have in the past rolled things into continuity that have been popular outside of the main line. Like there was a great article, I think, um, that was floating around, uh, around the time of ultimate end about how, Marvel essentially made the Ultimate Universe irrelevant by folding in some of the best aspects of it into the main line. Mm -hmm. So I I think that they definitely have a a precedent of, you know, taking taking things from the outside and adding it to the main line to to give the main line a little bit more, uh, just a little push, a little bit more momentum. Not saying that's slowing down at all, but... I mean, I think I think the Ultimate Universe completely changed the regular Marvel Universe, how they told stories and and things like that for years. I think we're starting. Oh, I think we're starting to kind of come down from that. I think Bendis's deconstructed storylines are kind of becoming um, like abnormal in the Marvel Universe, whereas it was kind of like the like you know uh, standard operating procedure for a number of years post his success in the ultimate universe i think we're shifting back towards the the value of the single issue um in in, in marvel but uh, uh, and i think it makes bendis kind of look like uh kind of ancient in his writing style weirdly enough i i i can't believe i'm saying that but um no, no, I, I totally agree with you. Like, we, we are no longer, it's no longer acceptable to get, like, the 12-issue arc like Brubaker did on Captain America, where, like, you had one story arc that, that was just took a year and a half, I think. Yeah, I think um, it's been killed by events to a large part, because every time Ben just tries to tell a story, he inevitably gets interrupted by an event. Um, and I, I, I think it really, you know, damages that kind of style. Um Okay, so let's let's get back to the issue on hand. This this first issue, you know, obviously it's not really the first issue of this series per se because we got Dan Slott's Renew Your Vows, but and while this this definitely follows up on that in some ways, it it it's a weird kind of like uh, it is a sequel, but it also isn't. Like those events happened, but also didn't kind of happen. Um, there's references to Regent and them defeating Regent and so on, but they're also not in the future. And I'm not sure at this point if all the Avengers are dead yet, like they were in that, that universe. Um, but, uh, I don't know. So here we are, we've got Jerry Conway and Ryan Stegman. We had that great interview with Ryan Stegman a couple weeks ago. Um, I mean, First and foremost, Marvel put an A team on this book. Um, I think Ryan Stegman is probably the the best working Spider-Man artist. Um, to give him this title is huge. I think. Um, what did you think of what we got? I mean, yeah, like Stegman Stegman's art is is phenomenal. You know, I I, I 
my argument would be that you know Ed McGinnis on Spider-Man Deadpool also right up there on the top. But like I, I yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I definitely think this is this is like head and shoulders above a lot of the other other stuff. You know, not not knocking you know Common Coley or or Ramos or you know some of some of the guys who came in on the events. But like this is this is great stuff. This is this is a joy to look at. Like these like. How like the Scorpion hasn't looked this cool or dangerous like I think like ever? <laughs> well, no matter how many pincer claws they give him, he you know he looks more and more like a joke. But yeah, this guy is terrifying, and 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 he has like an accent too, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, clearly they're going to play a little loose, I think, with some some of these villains. Um, you know, I'm not super ecstatic about reading about the Mole Man necessarily, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I get, it gives Stagman an opportunity to draw a dinosaur tearing up the streets of New York. So who's going to argue uh, with that? I was going to say, like, I'm not super familiar with the Mole Man, but when did he get dinosaurs? Like, has he always had dinosaurs? No, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> but you know what? Go for it. Why not? You know, it's maybe in this universe, instead of alligators being the sewers of New York City, they have Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Yeah, I believe it in reality, too, if you'd really tell me. <laughs> um, so, you know, Jerry Conway's back on here. I, for me, I think reading this issue, the first thing I noticed was, like we mentioned earlier, just how familiar this Spider-Man felt. I was like – it was like going back in time and reading – like revisiting an old friend that I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, you know, it's 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 the little things, and and it's 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 mainly the great interior, you know, internal monologue about nothing. Like he's complaining about making lists for chores and all these things, and it's the kind of like completely inessential running commentary from Spider-Man that makes it so great because. He's the everyman, and every man has had to deal with going grocery shopping. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no. Like I, I'm, I'm flipping through it right now, and like it, your your point about the internal monologue is is just so spot on. Because like I'm right now, I'm on the page where with all the exposition about his little camera drone, and it's just so much of it like is just exposition, but it's peppered throughout. Are these just these little? Spider-Man isms, like, all right, no more butt shots, and you know, you know, my wife thinks that I'm wasting my skills. You know, I should be in a lab, but like, what's the fun in that? Which I think was a, uh, you know, a kind of playful jab at slot, um, but also it kind of it kind of rings true to this, like, you know, this is this is this the Spider-Man that we remember is like, you know, action is his reward. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, he's, he's out there having a blast, but you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's so good. Like it's, it's, it's like reading Spider-Man from, like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there are so many things, even just him going into the office and dealing with Jonah as a, a newspaper photographer, like it was, it was. I've seen this scene a million times, and yet for some reason it felt really novel. Um, even down to like the great detail of him sucking on a candy cane instead of a, a, a cigar because he's quit smoking, and and Gloria suggests that it sent 
him through the roof. And it, 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 it's kind of the little details that have like made this fun to read. Like Gloria now is a child. She's a single mother. Jonah has quit smoking. It's, it's, cha- it's a different world, but it's not that different. Like it's just like, hey, here's where we could be at if there was like 100 plus issues of Amazing Spider-Man that ran from one more day onward that we didn't get to read and we're just now checking in on it. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, gosh, we're just gushing here. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> well, it, it's just so recognizable as a Spider-Man comic, you know, uh, and, and, and that shouldn't be worthy of a reward. Um, but I think it is, <laughs> I think it is worthy of a reward. Uh, well, let's see for, how about, how about for the sake of keeping things balanced, you know, h- how do you feel about, about the, the Harry Osborne, like, plot that seems to be uh teased on here like i I know i wrote my review that the best part about the osborne you know peter parker relationship is just how complicated it is and interwoven between each other so you know to uh, to touch on it and already have like you know a a harry osborne kind of plotting maybe a a revenge of some sort i mean how, how do you feel about that yeah, it might be jumping the gun a little bit. Um, you know, I actually read it and thought, like, when I first really didn't pay much attention to it, I thought perhaps it was Normie or some or something. And and I and I think that that's definitely going to be on the table here. I think in a book about families, you know, th- there's there's very careful attention played to this image of Harry and his father in in a portrait in, in this book. Um, and I think, you know, I'll be interested to see how Harry is as like a, a father of a more uh, grown up child, because I imagine Normie is going to be several years older than than Annie Parker is if we if we see him. Um, I, I, I'm interested in that element of it is. And yes, we've seen that in Spider-Girl, but, you know, essentially we're getting the reboot of all this stuff. What's old is new. Mm-hmm. We can get Normie. You know, maybe not an adult normie like he was, you know, kind of in, in Spider-Girl. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not against it. I, I think it is kind of going back to an overly familiar well of the plotting Osborne. Um, but I'm, I'm going to wait and see what happens. I'm curious. I don't love Regent as a villain, but uh, and I don't know what getting his technology will mean for much of anyone. Um Although I certainly like how it's in, uh, implemented regarding Mary Jane. What did you make of that? Well, I, I was, uh, you know, just as you were mentioning that, in, you know, I was thinking about, you know, legacy of Osborne versus Parker. And, you know, I think there is something a little poetic about, you know, if if Project G, uh, you know, is logic kind of points that G to be goblin, you know, if, if Harry Osborne kind of empowers himself through the regent's, you know, technology. I think there is some poetry there that Mary Jane does the same thing. As far as Mary Jane having her own powers, I think I think that's the most graceful way they could have done this. And I mean, it's essential for her to have powers. I think to do this family together, you know, crime fighter book rather than kind of like a Batman Robin with the Oracle backing her up, like, or, or, you know, to use like a Marvel, you know, thing, maybe like a Misty Knight Heroes for Hire kind of situation where she acts as like dispatcher 
uh, I think in the, in the latest hero for hires anyway. Um, yeah, I love the idea that she can siphon his energy off of him, and I hope that they play with that where, like, he might be down for the count, so she assumes all of his powers and – and mm-hmm. things like that. I, I hope there's kind of, you know, I've always said it on the show. I love it when they get into the details about like the small things about how his web shooters work and right. or not he's able to stick to the wall. Like, you know, if you read Stan Lee and Steve, you know, Steve Ditko's Spider-Man, it was essentially like him doing a continuous monologue about how he's managing his different powers, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I think it could be fun to kind of play with, like, who's got what percentage of the overall spider powers going on. And and in some ways, it kind of empowers Annie, who is operating, you know, like, independent of that um, kind of dynamic. Um, One of the things I am curious about, and they touch on it here lightly, and I hope that they get a little more deep into it, um, is how Peter feels about putting his family in harm's way um and involving them it's kind of tongue-in-cheek you know in in this issue it's lightly you know touched on like we're a family now and we're going to work on this together but he is putting them in danger and the the cliffhanger of this is annie kind of like i mean i thought her inclusion in this battle was a little out of nowhere at the end but um uh she's like completely in danger like i imagine they're going to mine that for all the drama that it can but like I I hope that there's a lot of internal, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, thinking going on about how Peter feels about this kind of thing because he's going to be responsible in some way for them being in harm's way. Oh yeah, I mean m- most certainly, and uh, you know, like like you said, they did kind of set this up already by a little bit tongue in cheek, but I you know I think that would be a really solid way. To, to kind of continue on this story where Peter is kind of the more, you know, old school, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, patriarchal figure protects the family. And Mary Jane, as as she always has been, you know, portrayed is, is you know, more progressive, more forward, more like, no, we are a family unit. I am my own woman. I can take care of myself. And, you know, this family's important to me, too. So I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. We're going to take care of each other. We're going to take care of our daughter. I, you know, I think I think that that's kind of what this this page here, you know, of her saying, like, you know, um, you know, I, I've I'm with you. I can handle myself. You know, I, I think that's I think that's the dynamic this page is trying to set up. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, do you have a favorite moment out of this issue, or I guess the first story in this issue? Uh, I mean the the breakfast scene, you know, in about like the the, the midsection of the book, I think is a phenomenal page. Like, I, I think I think it is is so technically well done. Like, it might not be the most exciting. Uh, you know, part of the book, but as, as, you know, as a writer myself, like this is, this is so tightly done. This is so well done. Like each, like, I I think I counted up uh, something like, you know, 18 panels on this page or something. And so it like visually it's very chaotic, but, but because they're almost all of them are, are uniform in size. Like there, there, there is some control to that chaos. Like it's like a a manic pace and the way that they, they kind of float in and out of topics left and right. 
you know, they, they go from talking about feeding the turtle to Annie's friends to her shoes to her homework to everything. And but meanwhile, like Peter's trying to trying to cook breakfast and and NJ's trying to, you know, down some coffee before she runs out to work. And, you know, Annie's like, well, I want these cool glow in the dark shoes. All my friends have these shoes. It's it's such it's such a great little slice slice of their inner life and it really really adds to the feeling that they're a family like you know you're told at the end that you know they are a family but if you didn't have this page i don't know if it would feel like a family so this this is right here is my favorite part like this this is what sold the comic to me i was gonna say the exact same thing and you said it better than than i ever could (laughs) well it's great we we both agree i think on the on the highlight of the book, and uh, I hope we get more scenes like that moving forward. I imagine that dynamic might play out during action sequences, or whatever that <laughs> means. Um, so, like, if you had to give a grade to this book, and, and you did have to because you r- wrote for the site, uh, you know, we use these letters on our podcast, but we use numbers on the site because clearly we haven't really figured this whole thing out. <laughs> if you had to randomly give a, a letter score, to this, what would you give it? You know, I, you know, I, I gave it, uh, I think a seven on, on the website. I think you gave it a seven point five. Seven point five. All right. Well, you know, I, I think, I think going over it again, I think I'm going to be a little bit more generous and go, go with like a solid B. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think this is, this is a good jumping off point. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing absolutely phenomenal, like mind blowing, but like this is, this is really solid stuff. So, you know, a B is fair. Yeah, I think I'm in that realm too. I think it's like a BB plus for me. Uh, so, you know, we didn't talk about the backup stories in this. So let's talk about those briefly because I was a little more mixed on the backup stories, I think, than I was on, on the primary story. Right. Um, the Let's see. So we have two. We have The Earnest Adventures of Spider-Dad and then we have, I think, Working It or Getting It to work, Make It Work. Um I really like the Spider Dad one. I, I mean, did too. It, it was really cute. But, yeah, like I mean, it, it's it it is really cute. But I, I mean, there's not much to go off of it other than saying it was cute. It was it was entertaining. It was a five page backup. Like you know, there, there's not a lot of depth to it, but there are some really cute gags. Like I love like Spider Man, like you know, swinging into to Jameson. He sees he sees Sandman. It's like, hey, uh, why don't you play with this kid? Make her a sandcastle. I don't. Know, I gotta. Do that. But the, the best I think the best joke in here is, you know, Jameson saying, you know, what took you uh, so long? And Peter says, you know, I got here in like three minutes from Queens. Yeah. Is that, am I supposed to be impressed by that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it when writers can like make a very specifically New York joke. Um, as someone who used to live in New York, like it's fun, but it also really like helps to sell that kind of like. Uh, Spider-Man is a New Yorker thing uh, that, right. you know, it gets touched on every now and again, but often it's often overlooked. Um, uh, I really enjoyed that that story. It's it's the kind of thing you find in like an, like a a, a six hundred seven hundredth issue of something where they're like just kind of padding it with right. stuff, but you you're not upset with it. Like you're okay <laughs> it's with completely the dollar. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, what about the uh, making it work? Uh, you know, this this one was interesting to me because I, I feel like as a story, I couldn't quite follow what happened once the rhino showed up. Like, you know, he, he, he does his thing. He gets stuck in the wall like he has since, you know, he's been introduced. And then 
you know, Annie draws some glasses on him and he's defeated. Uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure if, if I'm missing something that's supposed to be implied. I but felt out- the same way. Like there's a, just a whole part of the narrative that that was not clearly communicated. But, you know, outside of that, you know, I think this is a really, this, you know, it's it's quite not quite as you know sugary sweet as Spider Dad, but like I think it is interesting to see the relationship between Annie and MJ, just because you know there, there's already the very clear you know spider power connection between her and her father, but you know we don't necessarily see or we didn't necessarily see the connection between her and her mother in the Dan Slot one, and that it was it wasn't really touched upon on here too, but. But here you, you see, uh, or it wasn't really touched upon in, in the, the main title, Renew Your Vows, for this issue. But but in this one, you kind of see kind of MJ's, like, spunk, I guess, or, um, you know, uh, fiery attitude kind of, kind of cropping up here in, in Annie. You know, she's like, well, you know, uh, you know, MJ... MJ is designing her costume or trying to come up with designs for her costume. And then Annie's like, well, I already got mine here. And I've got like all these ideas and see, I've got these folding arms and everything. So I think, I think it's, 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 it's a good showcase of like childish imagination while also having like some good mother daughter bonding. Well, I like that she, she's kind of inheriting some of the interests of her parents too. Like in the primary story, she's trying to like fix and, uh, Peter's web shooters, and 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 here she's kind of got this fashion sense. So she's kind of clearly inherited their interests. And I don't know that I like love it when characters like are really just an amalgamation of their parents. Like I, I hope we see something that defines Annie on her own, rather than just being like, what what attributes do we want to drag over? You know, and and oftentimes it's not even that like. It's attributes that are, like, chosen. They just get everything that their parents can do. You know, it's like, she's right. great at fashion, and she's a super genius. You know, and you're like, <laughs> okay. Um, like, I wish that's how genetics worked. I wish I got <laughs> both of my parents' abilities. Uh, that would be great. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I agree with you about the confusing nature of the story. I guess for me, the the strength. Annie's age, the way she's drawn is a bit ambiguous, especially in this story. She looks like she's like a teenager, like she's like 16. She's wearing fashion, like an outfit that I would never put on an eight-year-old or imagine an eight-year-old wearing. Um, I just I just assumed it was like a school uniform or something. Yeah, but even just the like the the manner with which she talks to her mother, she's like very assertive and very like go getter. And I'm not saying eight year olds aren't like that, but I don't know many eight year olds that have like that kind of a verbal relationship with their mother. Um, does it, did you feel that way, or am I crazy? No, it, that, that's a fair point. Uh, you know, I didn't really notice it so much just because. You know, reading reading teen books for so long, like the the voice a lot of the time completely misses the mark. So uh, it's I've gotten to the point where like you know I will I will totally excuse you know maybe not not nailing like you know a a child's diction or like it's not even a teen book. She's eight years old. You know that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I, I tweeted to Jerry Conway to ask him about it, and he said she's eight. You know, she's in third grade and. I mean, okay, maybe I'm short-selling kids, but, 
I don't know. Just something about it kind of like – and then there were some times even in Ryan Stegman's drawings of her where she like suddenly looks like ages older than she actually is. And, and oh, it's something oh, yeah. that we kind of had – you know, <laughs> we got, a, we got a, like uh, a message from someone saying that it was creepy that we were saying that Annie looked like old as, as old as her mother in the original Renew Your Vows. And it's not that I'm saying, oh, she's attractive or whatever. Tune first and foremost, but uh, it's that I find that the artist's drawings are they have trouble drawing children, like it's it's not something you're often asked to do. I think you can see that is true with Anna Maria, like her height and and body, you know, like configuration, you know, it's different every time someone draws her, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm 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 looking right now at at the, the scene where she's you know strung up from trying to fix up the the web shooter and i mean yeah she looks she looks gangly and lanky like she's gone through like a growth spurt or something like she looks she looks 13 or so but then the next page over on the 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 breakfast table scene she goes back to kind of looking more like her, her cheeks are a little chubbier like she she still looks like a kid like like a like a younger kid like so yeah it's it's a little inconsistent i did see i did see where conway actually did did answer your uh your tweet so that that was really cool of him yeah uh, so yeah <laughs> but yeah so I guess you know we overall are positive. A little mixed bag, I guess, on the backups. They're they're fine. I don't think they detract from the product in any way. Yeah. Um, you know, I had no problem paying a couple extra bucks for them. Um, we, what was it? A dollar more than normal? It's a five dollar book. No, mine's four ninety nine. So well, I don't know. okay, well, fine. Four ninety nine. They really they really fooled you there. You're paying five dollars, oh, yeah. Kane. Uh, what? um so i guess the last thing i i I, we kind of talked this all about this a little bit um you know the the idea like what does it mean that this book exists um but what do you think it means that like kind of the fan desire essentially created this book out out of nowhere i mean i think this is almost wholly fan driven you know i guess slot you know get some credit too because he probably wanted to write about a married peter parker and and probably pushed hard for it but the fans are going to be the ones that keep this thing alive i mean what 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 do we think that the fans seem to have enough of a voice that they can basically call forward titles out of nowhere well you know uh money talks um and you know the i I think i think the whole reason this thing exists is because Marvel was doing the the Secret Wars, and there was a shot at saying, "Hey, you know, there, there's a there's a big vocal group that wants to see a married Peter Parker. Let's, you know, we've got this chance to do it. Let's do it." And then it sold really well. Like, it you know, sold, it, it sold abnormally well, right? Yeah, it, it sold better than the main title was selling. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the the main title wasn't running concurrently, but it was it sold better than it did before it ended. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I think they saw that they they might have struck a chord with with the the readers and you know decided to give it another shot. So I, I think that just goes to show that you know Marvel listens when you vote with your dollars. Uh, you know whether it be four ninety nine or five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I guess the takeaway then is if you like this, then then be sure you're buying it. Don't you know. I mean, I would say don't 
steal things in general, you know, and, and, and but like if you really want this to be the direction the, the Spider-Man heads, you know, you need to prove it to Marvel and that this this book exists and now is your time to, right. to say this is what we want. Or, and maybe just like don't trade weight, just like, you know, and if if you want if you want to just read it, you know, you know, six issues at a time, just buy the floppies and then read them, you know, once the sixth one comes out, like I, I, you know, I, I'm not sitting in you know the Marvel marketing you know table, so I don't know how much weight the trades weigh versus the uh, versus the the individual issues. You know, as far as you know, counting the success of a title, but you know, traditionally it's been the success of the individual issues, not not the trades that have kept the title going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you about this issue. I hope we can, you know, check in every now and again, see how this title is doing. I, I, I certainly think it's going to be on our fans' minds uh, moving forward. And, and, you know, definitely, Kane, I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I think people should, you know, keep checking your reviews on, on the site. Um, they're, you know, really detailed and, and cover all the things that you'd want to, you know, think about regarding this i mean i I don't think this is going to be like every issue of of the book we're going to cover it here on the podcast but that's the next best place to get everything you want to know about renew your vows you know is is in your reviews yeah i mean well thank you (laughs) (laughs) all right let's take it home kane uh of course you can find all of our new amazing spider talk and old superior spider talk podcast at superior spider talk Dot com or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. We love getting those reviews. Additionally, be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, if you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. It's been a while since we've gotten a Miles book, hasn't it? You know, it, it has. Um, I, I'm, I'm not currently up to date. I think I've... I, I think I've stopped right around when uh civil war started i decided i was going to read all those as soon as they all came out well there you go you got i guess one more to go and it's taking a little while um well later this week uh you know mark is going to be back and um we're going to be talking about amazing spider-man number 21 i can't believe it's old enough to drink already um and that's going to be following the adventures of kane and I'm guessing Carry On, that would be my guess. Um, he's on the cover, so it's a pretty safe guess. Um, so I hope you guys come back for that awesome show. And if you liked this show and, and, and us doing these kind of off-brand shows, please shoot us an email. I'd love to know what you think about kind of checking in with our contributors and doing all kinds of different shows like this. But uh, in the meanwhile, other than shooting us an email – um, you know, over at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. Kane, where can people find your stuff on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me a lot of different places. I wear a lot of hats. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my handle is at KaneWrites. That's writes with a W. Uh, if you're interested in science fiction or, you know, maybe you're a writer yourself, you can check out my company, blastoffpublications.com. I'm currently looking for science fiction writers. Uh, if you're interested in film, you can check out the uh, Unreal Film Festival, which is a film festival in Memphis, Tennessee, I direct. 
Uh, we also have a podcast, The Unreal Radio. You can find that on Facebook or celadorcinema.com slash unrealradio. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I did because, I, I, you know me, I'm a big film guy. That's really great. We might talk about that later. And you're also on superiorspidertalk.com. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, also there. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes for me as well. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you, actually, that Swarm, our co-host, created his own uh, Twitter account where he can just harangue Mark and I. And that is at NazibSkeleton. So I guess you can follow him there. I'm not sure that you should. But it's a thing that exists, so go and follow Swarm, everyone. And, uh, yeah, so that's it. So, uh, you know, that's where you can find everybody online. And remember, with great podcasts must also come, Kane, what, what must also come? Great responsibility. Oh, no, that's not it. Oh, not right. oh I'm sorry, with Amazing Spider Talk. <laughs> do we want to do that again? No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs>